support this show and all the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking on the Patreon link to sign up. Membership starts at $1 a month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels. Heartlandpod.com. Click the Patreon link or just go to Patreon and search for the Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create those independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. We have reached our cruising altitude. It's time for the flyover. Welcome back to Flyover View, a member of the Heartland Pod, family of podcasts, and a look at Heartland news from 30,000 feet. From the Gateway Arch to the Rocky Mountains, I'm your host, Kevin Smith, and I want to thank you for joining me today. As we dive in this week, we start things off with a story about a charter school. An Oklahoma charter school earns its place as the largest abuser of taxpayer funds in the history of the state. The above line is a direct quote from Oklahoma State Auditor Cindy Bird in reference to mismanagement by co-founders of Epic Charter Schools, going on to liken charter schools like Epic, which she describes as intentionally established for charter school management companies to milk for profits, as the Enron of public education. Bird states she has personally given documentation to the Attorney General's office that proves EYS submitted false invoices in order to justify much of the 10% cut of all state and federal funding it took from the schools. In an amount of $68 million since 2015. The very definition of embezzlement, Epic Charter Schools was limited by state law to spending no more than 5% of its taxpayer dollars on administrative costs, and co-founders Cheney and Harris hired an entire administrative staff at the schools at public expense to do the work for their for-profit management company and invoice the school for it. The auditor's office is also still involved in a district court battle to obtain access to information about how at least $145 million in public money Epic allocated for its student learning fund which EYS took into its private bank accounts and then expended using personal credit cards was spent since 2015. This has been brewing since spring of last year, where Cindy Bird was already shocked at the glacial speed in which the state attorney general, John O'Connor, was addressing it, saying in March of 22, I do expect charges to be filed, or at least an explanation for why charges will not be filed. It took until the summer to see any charges filed and arrests made, but the case is not nearly over. Now, though, Oklahoma has a new attorney general. General, Gettner Drummond, and he is reopening the case saying these allegations involve tens of millions of Oklahoma tax dollars intended for public education, and the state has a strong interest in ensuring proper accountability. Epic Charter Schools is, to date, the state's largest school system, serving nearly 30,000 students across the state. Now, if only Republicans could get behind the words of Gettner Drummond when he says that the allegations involve tens of millions of Oklahoma tax dollars intended for public education, to me that rings a little false in states like Oklahoma, where they're trying to create even more ways to privatize education. And char this charter school may be the state's current whipping boy, but typically the GOP loves their charter schools in any way to siphon off public dollars into private space. <laughs> Decade-long water rights battle sees Supreme Court decision. A decades-long battle between Texas and New Mexico over the future of water in the Rio Grande might have an end in sight, but the proposed resolution has opponents that include the U.S. A settlement to be considered by the United States Supreme Court outlines a new system for managing the division of water between Texas and New Mexico, assuaging objections lodged by New Mexico that Texas was taking more than its share and Texas's concerns that water measurements were being taken far above its border. The states have reached an agreement over the deal, but now 
handle the federal government and two major irrigation districts which stand to lose control of water allocations they previously enjoyed under management by the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation, argue the court should reject the agreement. The case has crucial implications for residents and farmers in the two states, amid a record drought in an increasingly dry west. The dispute between the states has played out as heat and drought have stressed the river. Last year, it ran dry in Texas's Big Bend National Park and in Albuquerque for the first time in decades. The proposed deal on the table now would allocate specific amounts of water to southern New Mexico and Texas based on a historic baseline. The agreement outlines procedures for establishing and enforcing these flows to be overseen by the Rio Grande Compact Commission, made up of one representative each from Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas. Both states' claims involve allegations where the other state took steps or failed to act to avoid interference with delivery or receipt of the equitable apportionment. A memo in support of the settlement motion says, the consent decree resolves these claims by specifying methods and practices which will ensure delivery of each state's apportionment. Federal officials haven't said publicly why they oppose the deal, but are expected to file arguments against it this week. Some officials have denounced the proposed deal on the grounds that it would take management of the river water out of the hands of the irrigation districts and the Bureau of Reclamation. Hey there, folks. Hope you're enjoying the show. I want to remind you that we are a 100% listener-supported family of podcasts, all under the umbrella of the Heartland Pod. You can catch our flagship show the heartland pod on mondays every week with adam summer where he delivers an opening statement before being joined by sean diller and rachel parker for talking politics you can also join a variety of our hosts on most tuesdays for let's have a chat featuring interviews with folks of interest from around the midwest on wednesdays the focus shifts to a rotating cast of special reports like the delta with nicholas and christina linky and high country sean diller's western political updates and the newest edition on the lineup on thursday sees dirt road democrat with jess piper learn more at heartlandpod.com and don't forget for full access to the last call episodes and the heartland news blog sign up on Patreon as a podhead today. And now, the lightning round. Lightning round. In Missouri news, Missouri Governor Mike Parson this week embraced Build Back Better programs in his State of the State speech, asking to dip into the state's $5 billion surplus, almost $700 million for infrastructure, and also notably asking for $1 billion to widen Interstate 70 in congested areas. Parson also spoke on education funding and a boost to child care, which drew praise from Senate Minority Leader John Rizzo, who then also followed up with a caution, saying Democrats need to be muted in their praise for what they like in Parson's budget so that Republicans won't suddenly decide they don't like those items. In Arkansas news, sorry Arkansas, but Missouri earned top billing in the lightning round this week in celebration of my Mizzou Tigers toppling your Razorbacks. M-I-Z, baby! Okay, chest beating aside, let's see what you're up to this week. Well... Two Arkansas senators have proposed a new bill that would require adults to present proper identification before viewing pornographic content online in the state. A similar law was already passed in Louisiana last year, and, well, I feel like a joke mixing pornography and nanny states would be apt here, but I couldn't really figure out a way to make it not so creepy, so let's move on, shall we? Negotiations have begun on legislation intended to give Arkansas residential solar energy users some extra cash. Under House Bill 1047, filed January 3rd, so-called net metering retail customers in Arkansas would be compensated for any excess solar generation. The first draft of the HB 1047 is being considered a temporary placeholder, though, as key stakeholders begin revisions on a draft that could take several weeks to complete. In Pennsylvania, 
On his first day in office, Governor Josh Shapiro, a Democrat, signed his first executive order removing a four-year degree requirement for tens of thousands of state government jobs. Shapiro said that the order applies to 92% of Commonwealth jobs, estimating that roughly 65,000 positions in the state will be open to Pennsylvanians regardless of whether they hold a college degree. He's also going in and scrutinizing the remaining 8%. In Oklahoma, a federal judge ruled in favor of the state of Oklahoma on Wednesday nearly 18 years into a lawsuit that blames the poultry industry for pollution in the Illinois River watershed and 13 years after a lengthy trial in the case. U.S. District Judge Gregory Frizzell found for the state on the trespassing and public nuisance related claims it leveled against the various poultry companies that operated within the watershed in eastern Oklahoma. The court concludes all defendants by their conduct have unreasonably interfered with the public's right to use and enjoyment of the waters of the IRW. In Nebraska, every school district in Nebraska would receive at least $1,500 per student in state aid for K-12 education, and the state would pick up more of the tab for special education under a set of three school funding proposals that Governor Jim Pilon unveiled Tuesday. The package also includes a soft cap of 3% on increased school spending. The Nebraska State Education Association was cautiously optimistic about the package. Tim Royers, president of the Millard Education Association, speaking on behalf of the state union, said teachers heard a lot they liked on Tuesday, but still have a few questions. The biggest thing that they, we heard that we're really excited about is the governor acknowledged something that we've all been talking about for a really long time that the state had to increase its investment in K-12 education. Nebraska currently ranks among the lowest states nationally in the percentage of school funding provided by the state. Now, if only we could get some of that action here in Missouri. In Iowa, House File 3, which targets SNAP, Medicaid, and other public assistance programs, was introduced the first week of the 2023 Iowa legislative session. The bill would restrict SNAP participants' ability to make their own food choices by restricting SNAP purchases to only foods on the WIC-approved food item list, establishing an asset limit for SNAP, performing monthly and quarterly eligibility verification checks for SNAP and Medicaid, requiring participation in the SNAP Employment and Training Program to be eligible for SNAP, and requiring custodial parents to cooperate with the Child Support Recovery Unit or lose access to SNAP benefits. Nothing like making a kid starve because of parents' choices, huh? Iowans can help by making their voices heard regarding this bill by contacting the 39 co-sponsors of House File 3 and the members of the House Health and Human Services Committee. See the link in the show notes for contact information. In Wisconsin, a constitutional amendment will be included on the spring election ballot asking voters to give judges more discretion when making bail decisions. The amendment is a knee-jerk response to fresh scrutiny following the Waukesha Christmas Parade tragedy months earlier when a Milwaukee man freed on $1,000 bail in a felony domestic violence case drove an SUV through the route, killing six people and injuring more than 60 others. The bail amendment would allow judges to consider the totality of the circumstances of a defendant, including a person's past criminal record and the need to protect the public from, quote, serious harm when setting the monetary amount of bail. Seems pretty clear to me that this is just going to raise bail for many folks accused of a crime, creating an even sharper divide between the haves and have-nots when it comes to prison time for those innocent until proven guilty. 
In Indiana, Indiana lawmakers on Wednesday began a contentious debate over whether it should bring universal school choice to Hoosier students and parents. Testimony heard in the Senate Education Committee raised questions about how much universal education scholarship accounts would cost and whether the state can afford to fund all students who are eligible to participate. This would be separate from the state's voucher program known as Choice Scholarships. Critics of the bill rightly voiced their concerns that the program expansion would pull additional dollars away from already cash-strapped public schools. Jarrell Blakely, the Indiana State Teachers Association's Director of Government, Community, Racial, and Social Justice, states, We are concerned that this bill drastically creates further privatization and outsources the public tax dollars that will have significant implications on school funding, how funding is streamed to schools, and how it will affect students in the classrooms. Educators in public schools are uniquely qualified by training experience to ensure that work-based learning experiences are both substantive and substantial. And I couldn't agree more. Well, folks, that's all the time we have this week. I want to thank you for joining us. And if you feel you have a story that I should look into and possibly highlight on the show, please tweet me throughout the week at Kev in Midmo or the Pod's parent account at The Heartland Pod. This week's episode featured reporting and information from the Indiana Capitol Chronicle, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, the Iowa Hunger Coalition, the Nebraska Examiner, Tulsa World News, Pennsylvania Capitol Star, Arkansas Advocate, THV11, Arkansas, the Missouri Independent, the Wall Street Journal, and Tulsa World. Thanks for listening. The Flyover View is a production of MidMap Media, LLC. Learn more at www.heartlandpod.com or at the Heartland Pod on Twitter. See you all next week.